Good morning. Looks like somebody left a bulletin up here, just in case I forgot. Thank you. Uh, we are in Genesis chapter 22 this morning. Uh, we've been going through a sermon series entitled, A Strong Tower. And that's built upon the proverb that the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and they are saved. We are reminded that God's name is a strong tower. And so we've taken a look at a lot of the names of God in the Old Testament. Today, uh, we're going to talk about Jehovah Jireh in Genesis chapter 22. Uh, let's begin in a word of prayer, and then let's talk about Jehovah Jireh. Father, I'm just uh, so grateful for this day. I'm, I'm grateful for uh, the connections that we are making this morning. I'm grateful that uh, we are able to fellowship together in the spirit. And, and I'm grateful, Father, for your word. I'm grateful that you speak to us. And through the power of your spirit, our prayer is that you will just guide and lead us as we talk. Pray that you'll open our eyes, open our minds, our hearts uh, to what you have to say to us this morning. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Jehovah Jireh means the Lord provides. And I got thinking about provision, and I thought about uh, road provisions. You all know what road provisions are? Uh, Jessica and I are, are mapping out our trip. Uh, Jessica, you're not sitting over here, and so it's throwing me off a little. Jessica and I are, are starting to map out our road trip to Indiana this fall uh, so we can visit my family in Indiana. My, my sisters live as far south as uh, Louisville, Kentucky, and as far north as Columbia City, Indiana. Anybody know where Columbia City is? Maybe a couple people? Yeah? It takes about seven hours to get to Columbia City, so we have plenty of time in the car my kids' tastes have changed over, the over time, but I went ahead and, and just kind of compiled a list of what we're going to need uh, for this uh, trip, a provision list, and maybe you have some of the same. Uh, I personally, I need a Diet Coke and some White Cheddar Smart Pop. Any White Cheddar Smart Pop fans? Yeah, yeah. Jessica usually takes a, a Diet Dr. Pepper, with some Twizzlers. We got some Twizzler road trip fans. Yeah, a few of you. Yeah. Eli needs Cool Ranch Doritos. <laughs> and a Peace Tea. You guys familiar with Peace Tea? It's expensive. Charlie needs some gummy bears. He loves him some gummy bears. And uh, he likes Dr. Pepper as well. Maybe your lists uh, are, are a little bit different than mine. But when we hear the word provision, right, it has a, a variety of meanings. Maybe you have that provision to take a road trip. But provisions also are like uh, upgrades in life, right? Maybe you might say something like, I was promoted at work, and uh, I praise God. I praise God that I was promoted at work, and God has provided for my family, uh, we think about it uh, in, in regards to uh, healing, right? 
Uh, we see someone on the prayer list who've been taken off because they're cancer-free, and we, we cry out, thank you, God, that you have provided healing. You see, provision in our culture seems to be either preparing for the unexpected or receiving the unexpected. And so when I use this word that God provides, we need to take a moment and think about what that means in the story that we're about to read. I want to redirect our attention away from the unexpected, because as we read Genesis chapter 22, we will see that Abraham expected God to provide. Let's start reading in verse 1 of chapter 22. It says that sometime later, God tested Abraham and said, Abraham. And so he replied, here I am. And God said, listen to these words. Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and he saddled his donkey and he took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. He cut enough wood for the burnt offering and he set out for the place God had told him about. And on the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay right here with the donkey. I and the boy will go up over there. We'll worship and we will come back to you. Now, during the time of this story, I think Abraham's probably about 125 years old. He's an old man. The Jewish historian um, Josephus suggested this, and so I'm going to go with that one. And if he's 125 years old, this is a math class now, that makes Isaac... 25 years old. He, some historians suggest that he could have been as old as 30 years old. He had to be old enough that he could carry enough wood to burn a human alive. So here is a very old Abraham walking his adult son, born of the promise of God, up a mountain. To murder him. You know, if I think about this story, if it had stopped right here, right here, we might all have a lot of questions for God. Because so far, this question, this story, sounds nothing like our God. Our God doesn't demand human sacrifices. God had promised Abraham a son and then asked him to murder that son. That doesn't add up. But I'm absolutely amazed at Abraham's focus to do what God asked him to do. And what did he say? We're going to go up and worship and we will be right back. Listen to this next part of the story as Abraham talks to his son Isaac about this sacrifice. Starting in verse 6, 
Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And so Abraham carried the fire and the knife. And as the two of them went up on together, Isaac spoke up and said, hey, dad. And Abraham said, yes, my son. He said, you know, we've got fire. We've got wood. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Evidently, Abraham didn't tell his son that he was the lamb, right? And Abraham answered him out of faith in God. He said, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And so the two of them went on together. Did you see it? Did you see it? I love Abraham's answer there. God would provide the lamb, he said, for the offering. He could have said, well, your son, God appeared to me in a dream. And he said, hey, man, you should go and sacrifice your son Isaac. But he didn't say that. He said, God will provide the lamb. Abraham places his complete confidence and Jehovah Jireh. The Hebrew here literally says Adonai Jireh. God, God is going to provide. Adonai being the generic name for God. Jireh meaning provide. God is going to provide. All right, let's read through uh, verse 14 so we can have a better understanding of how this thing ends. When they reached the place that God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and he arranged the wood on it. And he bound his son Isaac and he laid him there on the altar on top of the wood. Now, Isaac's 25 years old. Abraham's 125. He bound his son Isaac means that Isaac placed his faith and God as well. He placed his faith in his father as well. And Abraham, in verse 10, reached out his hand, took the knife to slay his son, but the angel of the Lord called out from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, and he replied, here I am. The angel said, do not lay a hand on that boy. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. And so Abraham looked up and there in the thicket was a ram. and It was kind of caught by its horns. And he went over, went over, he took that ram, he sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of a son, and so Abraham called that place the Lord will provide. And to this day it's said, on the mountain of the Lord, God provides. I love this part of the story as well. Because Abraham knew that God would provide. We've already established that. He told his servants, we are going to go up and we are going to come back. He told Isaac, God will provide that sacrifice. He looks up, he sees the ram. And the angel doesn't have to say to Abraham, hey man, sacrifice the ram instead. No, Abraham saw the ram and he knew exactly what was happening right then and there, that God was providing for him. Amen? God will provide. 
The word Jehovah Jireh, Jireh specifically, has two Hebrew root words that are connected to it. The first one means to see. Re means to experience. Boy, I love that idea. That God sees, God also experiences. Ooh, I love that. My son Eli starts his first day of eighth grade tomorrow. Ooh, he's so excited. He received a, a summer reading assignment from his eighth grade language arts department. Attached was a letter describing that eighth grade was a transition year, they said. And they're going to help prepare their students for high school. And I thought, that's really great. But why would a student need to be prepared for high school? Why does a student need any kind of transitioning? Well, some of you have been to high school. And you know, it's different. And maybe it'd be great if somebody who's experienced high school helped a young man be prepared. Maybe it'd be great if someone sees, experiences, and provides. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were really good friends of Jesus while he walked here on earth. And Luke records that as Jesus was passing through Bethany, Mary and Martha opened their home to Jesus. Mary sat at his feet listening as he taught. Martha served as, every, as everyone who were coming to see Jesus. In fact, John's gospel records that Mary poured uh, perfume on Jesus at their house in Bethany. Their act of hospitality blessed Jesus. But in John chapter 11, we're told that Jesus finds out that his good friend from Bethany, Lazarus, has died. You see, he was really, really sick. And before Jesus could get there to heal him, he dies. Now listen in John chapter 11 to how Jesus sees and experiences the funeral. When Jesus saw her weeping, he's talking about Mary, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, Jesus was deeply moved in spirit and troubled, and he said, where have you laid him? They responded, come and see, my Lord. And Jesus wept. Shortest verse of the New Testament, right? Jesus wept. He saw the people. He experienced the experience. And Jesus then provides. Later on in John chapter 11, we're told that Jesus says, roll that stone away, Lazarus, come forth. And he raises Lazarus from the dead. See, experience, provide. There's another story in John chapter 8 
It's a very shocking story because we're told that a woman who was caught in adultery was found and taken to Jesus. And Jesus was in the middle of teaching. And I think those Pharisees, those teachers of the law, those evil, evil men, really had an opportunity here to see and experience and provide, but they chose not to. They chose to use her as a pawn to trick Jesus into saying the wrong thing. I can only imagine how embarrassed she was in that moment because they point out that the law of Moses commands us that we must stone her to death. But they all knew, and Jesus knew, that Roman law was different. It said, nah, you can't stone her to death. So will Jesus choose the law of Moses? Will Jesus choose the Roman law? And after some time, we're told that Jesus responded in this way. And I'll use the Jeremy International Version here. He says, all right, you can stone her. But let the one who has never sinned throw that first stone. The oldest walked away first. Had the most experienced sinning. And the only one left was the one who has never sinned. And he saw that woman. He saw that woman, and he said, where is those that condemn you? She looked up, and they were all gone. You see, he saw, he experienced, and he said to that woman, go and sin no more. See, experience, Provide. You know, there's one final story I do want to share with you this morning. It actually answers the question, why did God test Abraham in Genesis 22? You noticed it. I pointed it out. God asked Moses to take his one and only son, Isaac, whom he loved, to be sacrificed. And I think we are reminded that God takes his one and only son, Jesus, whom he loved to be sacrificed. You'll notice in the story that Isaac is the one that carried the wood to be sacrificed. And we are reminded that Jesus, he carried the cross. We're told that God provided a ram so man did not have to die. A ram so Isaac would not have to die. Jesus, however, he chose to be that substitute. He chose to be that lamb so that we don't have to die. You see, God sees us this morning. He sees the trouble we've gotten ourselves into. He sees the sin that we have gotten ourselves into. He knows that we're stuck. He knows that the only path that sin will lead us towards is death. And 
he provides a way out of death and destruction. This action alone makes Jehovah Jireh and the essence of Jesus Christ to be more than enough for us. Because the reality is the mountains could collapse in the sea. The sky could turn red and fall and crush the earth while I walk. My health can be taken from me. My home can be taken from me. My life can be taken from me. But Jehovah Jireh came and saw me in my weakness. He saw the sin that tormented me from every side. And on that cross, he bore that pain. Jehovah Jireh is more than enough for me. And that's why we gather this morning around this simple table. We gather to share and the remembrance of a God who sent his only son for you. I'll be inviting Shar and Jeff at this time to come up on stage and sing a song called Jaira. It's by Elevation Worship, and I hope that it'll prepare our hearts. As they sing, will you go to one of these three stations and take a cup, the bottom of the cup is the bread, the top cup is the juice, and hold these cups and reflect as they sing. I'm gonna ask Aaron Jervis to come up afterwards to give the instructions to take this cup together. Let's pray. Father, you are indeed more than enough. You have provided for us the incredible sacrifice of Jesus Christ to pull us out of sin and death, to give us life eternal, and Lord, you are more than enough. I pray, Father, as we reflect, as we celebrate, and as we worship, you will be honored and glorified because you have done it. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.